You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. We are preaching through the Gospel of John. And we today are ending up in John 14, taking a chapter each week. And it's exciting to do that. Well, a few weeks ago, Mr. Samuel came up to me and said, you know, Pastor Ben, I have memorized a section of Scripture in the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And he said, hey, if there's an opportunity, I would love to share that. And I'm just curious, anybody interested in hearing Mr. Samuel Wiggin? All right. Is that a good enough, or should we ask for a little bit more? I, I, do you want to hear Mr. Samuel? Oh, they want to hear you. Okay, so Samuel, do what you did best. You did a great first job, first service. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, how do we know where you are? We do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Come on. Woo! Samuel, you did it, man. Wow. Come on. Yeah, even some folks standing up back there saying, good job. Now, listen, Samuel, we were thinking about this. We knew you were coming to do this. And we were collaborating. That means we were talking as a staff, and we were saying, man, how could we be a blessing to you just to encourage you along the way? And something emerged in our staff meeting that it, you just said, I am the way, kind of like a Milky Way, and I am the truth, kind of like a baby Ruth, and I am the life, like a lifesaver. And so we thought, Miss Rachel thought it would be fun to give you a Milky Way, a baby Ruth, and some awesome Lifesavers gummies. Very good. <laughs> and then, and so we were just curious, Samuel, we were wondering, would you want to share that with the rest of everybody? Yes, if I could. If you could, you would. Hmm. Well, we made provision that that could happen because Mr. Samuel here did such a good job memorizing these verses. We made provision on the back table. We want to, you to take it all. <laughs> We've got Milky Ways and Baby Ruths and Lifesavers in the back, and you can thank this young man for that. All right? All right, high five. Come on. All right, so I was thinking about it. Let's put the verse up in the NIV. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, no man comes to the Father except through me. And what I was reading about this and kind of studying this, uh, Samuel, it's important for you to know, Jesus is the way to everything that matters. He's the way to everything that lasts, 
everything we put our hope into. He is the way to heaven, right? He's also the truth. He's the truth about everything. And then it's, he's the life. That's talking about eternal life, right? And, but it's also life abundantly on this side of eternity. But it, then it says, no man comes to the Father except through him, through Jesus. And that kind of, it, it's, it's important for us to realize, and I know you know this, but I want everyone else to know that this, that little phrase, John 14, 6, sets Christianity apart. It sets the Word of God, the Bible, apart from every other religion. There's only one way, and it's Jesus, right? And I was reading about this. One commentator said, you know, it's not like, okay, there's only one way. What's the big, you know, uh, what's the big deal about that? It's not so shocking. What's shocking is that there's any way that we could get to heaven. And it was Jesus that provided that for us. And we wanted you to know and want everyone to know. So that what that means is that there will be zero Buddhists in heaven. There will be zero Hindus or Muslims or atheists or agnostics, or humanists, or secularists. There will be zero faithless Christians. And that means there are people that call themselves Christians but ha don't have a relationship with Jesus because we know the Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And Samuel, when, that, when that, the reality of that hits me, it saddens me. It, it, there are times I've just wept over that idea that there are people that may not hear about Jesus. And we've got to reach one more, don't we? And with that, I know you've got a little story of something that God's put on your heart and he wants to share quickly and then we'll be on our way. Well, when I grow up, I'm wanting to make this restaurant called Crispy Whiskers and it's going to be a Christian restaurant and it's going to be a fish restaurant. And every five to ten minutes, I'm going to be showing a show about the Bible. Yeah. Yep. And, and Samuel, why would you do that? To reach one more. Yep. That's right. That's right. I'm proud of you, man. And you can take your lifesavers, your Milky Way and Baby Ruth, and get off the stage because I got to preach, all right? Good job. Let's give them one more hand. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? To reach one more from the mouth of babes, right? And I just want to say, Rachel, you're doing a great job with our kids. And, uh, and she's the one that, she said this morning, she's the one that said, Pastor, uh, Samuel has got a call on his life to have a missionary restaurant. <laughs> and uh, and if, he, if he'll share, you ought to have him share. And so thanks for making that connection. And it's exactly why we're here to reach one more. It's exactly what God is calling Samuel to do. And who knows what that's going to look like. But your heart to serve the Lord is remarkable. And I pray that my heart is the same and that yours is as well. Amen? Amen. So we're in John chapter 14 this morning, and uh, we're uh, losing some time, so I'm going to jump right in. If you have not been with us, we've been tracking through a chapter at a time. And at this point in the Gospel of John, it's the Last Supper discourse. It's the final words that Jesus is bringing to his disciples. All the crowds are gone. People are, are, have fled. It's just a small group of individuals. They're in the upper room. And what's interesting as you study this is that from the outside, it appears that everything is falling apart. Judas has left the room at this point. 
to go betray Jesus. Jesus just describes to his disciples that he's leaving. And they're saying, where are you going, right? Peter, just a breath before John 14, verse 1, understands that he's going to deny Jesus three times by the next morning. And things are seriously in an uproar. There's a sense of uproar in the building or in the room. And Jesus brings some comforting words in John chapter 14, verse 1. He says this. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's just what the disciples needed, and it's just what we need to hear, and we're going to see what that means. If you see the same thing in uh, John 14, verse 27, it says, peace I, I leave with you, right? My peace I give to you. I do not give to you what the world gives. And then he says again, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus understands in this context, in this instance, that the disciples are feeling uncertain. And he carries his disciples, and he does the same for us today. Now, there's a whole lot in John chapter 14. We could probably take a month or two months or maybe three months just in this chapter. I guarantee it. But my heart was drawn to a theme. How many know when there's repeated things over in the same, in the same section of Scripture, over and over, that maybe the Lord wants us to study it? And I saw a pattern in John chapter 14. Four times Jesus describes what we're about to read. Turn with me there. You should be there. John 14 in verse 15. A simple, very short verse, something we all can memorize. Even if Samuel can do multiple, we can at least do this one. Look at what it says. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Now, if we took a survey on the way in today, and we said, do you love Jesus? And uh, probably everyone that came through the doors probably would say, yes, I love Jesus, right? Probably. I mean, maybe someone would be, if, if you're not a Christ follower or something like that, you may not. But it, how many know it's not what you say, it's what he sees in you that matters. It's your doing that matters, and Jesus here is looking for obedience, and if love is there, then obedience is there. I just closed my Bible, and I need to open it again. John 14, 21 says the same idea. Look what it says. It says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Again, in verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. And then verse 24, at the beginning, again, in the reverse order, kind of in a negative way, says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about obedience as a believer. For each of us, where is your obedience level? And it's related to your love for the Lord. But think about it. There are some things when it comes to Scripture, uh, things that we are trying to be obedient, trying to follow God's way, that are easy. We try to make living out the mission easy here uh, at the Gateway Church. We want you to be faithfully attending 
uh, church on every Sunday. We want you to connect in a small group, and we want you to serve. And like I said earlier, in the last uh, two weeks, we've had over 100 volunteers serving, and it is incredible to do the weight of ministry on your shoulders. We're doing the work of the ministry, and we think that's, you know, for most of us, it's kind of easy to do those things. But how many know when it comes to following God, following the Lord, there are some things that are difficult as well. How about forgiveness? How many know sometimes it's hard to forgive? How many know it's hard to give sometimes? It's so, or maybe it's anger that you're dealing with, and it's hard to let it go. Or maybe it's overeating, or maybe it's some other habit in your life. And you say, okay, you'll keep my commands. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now, what is Jesus really talking about? Is, it, is he talking about what he just said, don't let your hearts be troubled? Is that the command that we're not, then we'll love? Or is it, go back to John chapter 13, the new command to love one another, even as I have loved you? Or is it all the red letters in the New Testament, every word that Jesus said, is that what we're supposed to keep as far as the rule? Or you say, is it the Old Testament and the New Testament, which would include the Ten Commandments? And you start piling up, and you say, okay, if we're supposed to follow the Word of God in its entirety, now I've got a little problem. This is not easy to follow. Am I right? All of it? Really, God? Is that what you want from me, to follow it? If that's the case, I'm the first to admit that I need some help to be able to follow what God's Word says. Now remember, what we're seeing here, these are the last words before Jesus is put on the cross. These are important things. And what he's saying is that loving results in keeping commands. And Jesus sets the example once again. At the back of John 14, verse 31, uh, we see Jesus as the example. It says, He comes, but He comes, so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. See, Jesus, because He loved the Father, He did everything according to the Father's plan. Every step He took, every word He spoke, everything was related back to his love for the Father, and he walked in that way. He's the perfect example of what we're trying to get across today. See, loving Jesus is not the same as keeping commands. That's an important distinction. It's not reduced to rules. It's not about the rules. That would be putting the cart before the horse. If Christianity was reduced to a bunch of do's and don'ts, first of all, it wouldn't be Scripture. But it wouldn't be enjoyable either. What we're talking about here is love. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's love. It's love for Jesus. This is what Jesus wants. It's love that produces keeping commands. It's not forced love. It's instead this idea like you want to love Jesus. You want to be with Jesus. I was thinking about it this week, and I was thinking about my great wife. Next month, we will have been married 21 years. Wow. And I was thinking about my love for Jessica. It has grown over the years. When we first got married, we didn't have a clue, did we? Oh, my goodness. 19 years old. Whew. 20. She was 20. She's older. <laughs> I got the older girl. 
And we've had a few good years. And my love for her has grown through a lot. <laughs> and I would say today I love you more than I've ever loved you in my life. But she's an incredible helpmate. God has really, really blessed me. And what's interesting is my love for you has grown over 21 years. First service, we had an example of some newer lovers in the room. <laughs> and uh, I introduced for the first time here at the Gateway Church, and some of you don't know this, but Pastor Pale, who always sits up front with me, first service typically, he got married to Genevieve Morris and this last Thursday night. And my Jessica and, my, and I were able to be there. And what was so neat, the reason I kind of brought that up is uh, Pastor Pale serves on our missions board. And we were trying to explain to some others on the missions board this past Monday night, uh, saying, hey, Pastor Pale, you're getting married this Thursday. Can you believe it? He's like, I don't know how old he is. He's almost 80, 78, 79 years old. And it's just the cutest thing. Is, 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 it's all, it's, it's incredible. But anyway, but Pastor Pale's there, and one of the missions board members was like, now who is this Genevieve? Uh, or Jen is what we were saying. And, uh, and I said, I said, it's Genevieve. And I was trying to explain. She goes, oh, Genevieve. I love her. And Pastor Bale says, I do too. <laughs> Man, I, my heart was just as big as this room. I'm telling you, it was awesome. And what's neat is that love is just a few months old. And they decided to get married. And, but it grows. And my heart for each of us is when you think about your Savior, that your love for Jesus grows to the very day that you die. But it's not easy. Living and loving Jesus is not easy. And I would say, Lord, help us to do that. And we've got an awesome God, and that's exactly what he does. God wants to do life with us. He wants us to know joy. He wants us to experience his power. And in order to, for that to happen, he sends us the greatest gift. He sends us his Holy Spirit. Amen? Look at it. John 14, we read verse 15, right? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And you say, okay, if you really get your mind around that, that is almost impossible. I would say it is impossible to keep all the commands of Scripture. But the very next words from Jesus' mouth, he sends the helper. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some of your Bibles say, comforter some of it say counselor to help you and to be with you forever the spirit of truth and you think about that the father sends the holy spirit for each of us and what's great is that word uh, it might be counselor or advocate or comforter uh, it, the word is paracletus which means served or called to your to your side and the idea here is that Jesus is like a lawyer on your behalf, legal counselor, a defense attorney. And how many know Jesus, he would be the best at that, right? Jesus is our advocate. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, we see that John, this is the same gospel writer, but it's a little later in Scripture. It says, my dear children, I write to you this so that you will not sin. That's the goal, right? That's the command. To love, you will keep my commands. That means no sin. But if anybody does sin, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The reality is that in this world, on this side of eternity, there is an accuser. His name is the devil. His name is Satan. And he hates your stinking guts. And he will come to you and accuse you night and day. And he'll even go to Jesus and say things like this. Did you die for him? Did you die really for her? Or he'll may come and put things in your mind. Did you see what they did? Are you sure you can forgive that? He's accusing us and Jesus stands up and says, look, your sins are forgiven. You are covered. Your sins are erased. Your charges have been dropped. Why or how is that possible? It's because the righteous one has paid for it all. And what that means is that you are righteous. Case dismissed. And I love it when you think about the Holy Spirit. He comes to us in a tender way, like a client, and he ministers to us. He points us to the mercy of God, right? But then with the devil, he stands up like a lawyer, and he's tough, and he doesn't give the enemy even an inch in our lives. And church, the disciples at this moment of the gospel story, they needed to hear this. And church, we need to hear this. And the result in verse 27 is there's peace, and we'll look at that in a minute. But the second thing is not only does Jesus send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is now with us. He's with us. Look at it. Verse 17, it continues. It says, I will ask the Father. He will give another uh, advocate to help you, the Spirit of truth. And then look what it says. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Wow. The same thing. Verse 23 said, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home in them. That is the best news you could ever imagine. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you if you've got Jesus in your heart. Now, some people think, well, I gave my heart to Jesus, right? I, I surrendered my life to him, but God probably doesn't want much to do with me. And it's kind of sad because that's the furthest thing from the truth. Eternity is created for us. Revelation 21 describes a scene where God wants to be near us for eternity, for always in eternity. He is there near us, with us. He's in us, and he wants to do this today. He wants to do it tonight. He wants to do it tomorrow morning because he loves us. Jesus is saying, love me because I've loved you, because I really love you, and I will help you. The Holy Spirit is coming. And again, in this context, the disciples, I guarantee, needed to hear that loud and clear. In church, I don't know where you are, but I believe there are many that need to hear that, that the Holy Spirit will be with you, whatever you're facing. And the result, ultimately, in verse 27 is peace, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But there's another thing we see in John 14, that the Holy Spirit comes, he's in us, right? But the Holy Spirit also teaches us. 
Let's look at it. Verse 26 says this. It says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Man. How many of you have ever sat through a message, maybe kind of like this morning, and there's a nugget of truth, something that was said that you can just hold on to that was just the right word at the right time? How many have ever experienced that? I know I have on the other side. What's crazy is that when a preacher plans and prepares, it's really a partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's not just me up here. It's the Holy Spirit, hopefully, using my words to have those types of moments where the Spirit brings something back to your remembrance. How many of that, has that ever happened to you where you remember something from earlier and you're saying, man, what that is, it's the Holy Spirit teaching you. The same idea is in the next chapter, chapter 16, verse 13, says this, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The idea is that the Holy Spirit, he teaches us. He helps us. The Holy Spirit opens up the Word of God so we can understand it. You know, before you're saved, it's hard to understand the Bible, but once the Holy Spirit's inside of you, he teaches us all things. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says. Verse 9 says this. It says, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And then it says, These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. He teaches us. He reveals things to us. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Wow. Look at verse 12. What we have received is not of the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. There's an understanding that comes. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 John chapter 2, Verses, verse 20, I really like what it says. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. How do you know the truth? Because the anointed one, the Holy Spirit, is living inside of you. Look at verse 27 of that same chapter. As for you, the anointing you received from Him, the Holy Spirit, remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught to you, remain in Him. The Holy Spirit teaches us. And he uses the foolishness of preaching. I mentioned earlier, I'm not up here on my own. The Holy Spirit is in partnership. I'm in partnership with him. And what happens is the Holy Spirit applies things to our lives and to our hearts. And he may speak to you about something totally different than he does your neighbor or your spouse or across sections. The Holy Spirit is at work. And the question is, is are you growing? I love it. First service, we had a guest that visited on Easter, was back for a second time, gave his heart to the Lord last week. He shared with me in, uh, before service, he says, I have not had a drop of alcohol all week. 
Incredible. I was like, man, that's incredible. Wow, God's moving, right? And I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit today in the message and through worship was speaking to his heart, and he was growing in his faith. How many know what I'm talking about? But what's great as well, at the same time, the most seasoned believer here, elders, board members, people that have been in faith a long time, the Holy Spirit's working on your life as well. He's helping you grow. He's continuing to teach you, continuing to reveal things. And I promise you, the disciples in the moment where they were in all this distress, they needed to hear just that. And I promise you, some of us here need to hear that word, that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. He's going to reveal things to you. And the result, now let's look at it in verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27 Someone came up after service and said, hey, I can't find John 27. <laughs> John 14, 27, okay? This is the result of when the Holy Spirit comes. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit, he brings peace into our lives. Pastor Bobby, I want you to come and kind of prepare to kind of bring us to a point of surrender. The bottom line here really is love, and love leads to obedience. And that obedience, whether it's hard or easy, it's different for each of us. The Holy Spirit, he comes, he's sent by Jesus to be with us and to teach us. And that's how it's possible if we do that. And I was thinking and praying this morning and really over the week and that the Lord may have brought you here and you may be experiencing some sort of distress, some sort of trouble in your life. And the picture I had was Peter at this moment was feeling the weight of his leader saying he's going away, telling him he's going to be den denying him before the next day. And this word for, for Peter in particular, to not worry, to not let the struggles of the world get the best of him, would have sustained Peter. By the end of God, the Gospel of John, we're going to read the story of where Jesus comes to Peter after he raises from the dead. And what does he come to Peter and say? He says, do you love me? He doesn't say, have you kept all the commandments? He's not worried about the rules. He says to Peter three times, do you love me? Wow. Think about that. And I believe in a similar way, the Holy Spirit He's coming to each of our hearts and saying, do you love me? The Holy Spirit, Jesus is asking, where is your love quotient, so to speak? Because as your love increases, you will follow the commandments on a more regular basis. It's for sure. But it's your love for the Lord and your love for others that really is going to make the difference. Today we're talking about obedience, we're talking about love. Love brings us to a place of obedience. 
And no matter what we're facing or what we may face in the future, it's that love peace that's going to sustain us. And Pastor Bobby's going to lead us here just to kind of set our hearts before the Lord. we got just a couple minutes before service will be done. But uh, let's just stand. Let's worship the Lord and just kind of set our hearts before him. And then I'll be back here momentarily to bring a close to what God's doing this morning. Amen. Wow. As we set our hearts before the Lord for a moment of response, I want to talk to those of you that have never given your heart to Jesus. When Samuel was up here earlier looking at John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. The truth of that kind of rocks our world. And if you're here this morning and you've called yourself a Christian, or you've pretended to be a Christian, or maybe this is your first time here and you, you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, and you realize that there are no faithless Christians going to heaven. There are no Buddhists or Hindus or all those other religions. It's only, there's only one way. And if you're ready to accept that one way and accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior, we're going to give you that opportunity here in just a moment. But I want you to know that the Bible also says, just so if you had any doubt, the Bible says we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means if we were to try to stand before God as our own, we are guilty. There's no way around it. We, there's not enough goodness inside of any of us to make it into heaven. One sin will keep us from the Father, but Jesus, He gave it all on the cross for us. He provided a way for you and for me to accept Him and to be forgiven. And if you're ready this morning to say, man, I need that forgiveness, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are. There's one person in first service. Who here, second service, is ready to accept Jesus and say, man, I need to give my heart, my life, and my everything to Jesus. Anyone at all? Second service here. Just raise your hand so I can see. Anyone at all? All right. All right, I don't see any hands this morning. Oh, we do have one over here. Fantastic. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the sake of the one... Could I lead you in a prayer? It's not the words of the prayer that saves us. It's really believing the words of this prayer. But let's repeat this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in you that you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and that you died for me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Clean it up, Jesus. Take away my sins. And I will do my best to serve you all the days of my life. Put my feet on a rock, on a firm foundation, and I will serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we rejoice with the one. Hallelujah. That God is touching. God is moving. Praise the Lord. One last thing before we go. You know, when Peter heard these words from Jesus, Things were already stirring in his life. There was turmoil, turmoil happening in the midst. 
But he didn't really realize till that next morning that he, after th- several trials that he would deny Jesus even knowing him. After saying, man, I'll give my life for you. We may not know what trouble is around the corner for us, but we can know this, that if we love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, it makes the difference in those tough times. And I'm just curious how many here this morning would be honest enough to say, you know, Pastor, I need to grow in my love for the Lord in this season. Yes, me too. Yes, yes. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow, to keep you first, help our love to be overflowing. God, that we would spend time with you, that we would be listening to you, that we would understand you better. And God, that only happens because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And God, I just pray that you would just baptize us with your power and with your Holy Spirit. Come and dwell within us in a great and mighty way. And God, I pray and that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us and bring us back again to, together. God, to know you and to serve you better. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet one another. And make sure you take all the Milky Way. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.